Amen. So I think Galatians 5 will be our first book, if I, if I remember right. So last week was the first week of Advent. And with Advent, Advent, you celebrate with by lighting candles and counting down the four Sundays before Christmas. And so last week is lit. We've done that. At the end of the service, we'll write this like the second one. So last week we kicked off Advent, <coughs> a four-week anticipation of the arrival of Messiah. And so it kind of takes everything that we talked about last week, you know, how the world since the Garden of Eden had been anticipating Messiah's arrival, and we condense it down to a month. We set aside a month where we celebrate Christ's birth, and um, I think it's a pretty good time to pick that we have, you know, and God says, you know, we steam one day above another, and we set up a day, we do it, and that's what we've done right now. And so we set aside this month, and we celebrate the arrival of Messiah, Advent, his Advent. And this week I want to talk about patience. Patience. I think of Christmas and patience, especially as a young person, right? You know, waiting. Waiting. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the things that lets you know that you are a Christian when you start to develop patience. Patience is a virtue. You hear that, you know? That's what the moms usually tell you when you're like, cookies are in the oven. Patience is a virtue. You've got to wait. You'll stay out of the dobo. You know? But it's a virtue in 2023 It's not much exercised in our culture. As a matter of fact, our culture kind of frowns on patience. It doesn't seem like it encourages patience at all. We are of the day of instant gratification. You know? Now. That's our mantra. Now. You know, uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, I was trying to think, uh, as I was thinking about that, you know, thinking about impatience, I went all the way back to my childhood, which I often do. Um, I, I can remember my childhood better than I can remember last week a lot of times, but uh, just, uh, and I remember Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, right? And so as I'm writing down now as the mantra, I'm Veronica Salt saying, I want it now. You know, she wants the golden goose and she jumped up on the scale and she's a bad egg. You know, boom, she falls down. It's like, she was impatient. This is one of the, one of the I think the good thing about that show is kind of like, you need to listen to your parents. You need to not watch too much TV. You need not to eat, you know, but you need, not, you need to be patient. She wasn't. She was the bad egg. But we're the day and age of fast food. It's like, right, you know, come on, get it to us. Instant coffee. I had some for the first time this morning. I'm not a coffee drinker, uh, but since I retired from printing and started doing this, Elaine said, you got some time to enjoy a cup of coffee. So she's teaching me the art of coffee. So I had instant coffee. And she goes, it doesn't taste too bad. I'm like, man, I have nothing to compare it against. And so it tastes great. And so, <laughs> so it, was, it was pretty good. Um, we're the day and the age of the thing I can identify with is prime delivery. I ordered it. Where is it? You know, it's like, uh, when do they start in the drone drop-off? You know, it's like, why, why is it taking so long that I have to wait till tomorrow? You know, or whenever it's going to be. Release dates on movie? Come, no, no. Let's, 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 let's have it now. Netflix, you know, captures on this. It's like, oh, we got a new series. We know you can't wait a week for the next episode. Here's everything all at once. Binge it. Go through it today and then be like, well, there's nothing to watch. Well, you watched it all in one day. You know, but you know, we, they did that because of supply and demand, right? We want it. Give me the whole, give me the whole series. I want to watch it. <clears throat> VCRs used to be a big thing. I, I remember getting the, our first VCR. And, uh, I was the cool boyfriend. Had the, our family had a VCR, so I'd borrow all and I'd take it over you know, on a date night because I had the dating lane's family. And so we'd watch, watch a movie over there. You know, I'd, I'd haul the DVR. Or the, D, the VCR, then that turns into DVR. 
Now it's like, you know, who thinks, I, who worries about recording something? We don't, because it's like, it's in the cloud, I can just download it, watch it whenever, whatever, whenever I want. I can watch, I can watch Elf in July if I want to. You know, I don't have to wait till this, this month, you know, you just, it's there, it's all out there. I can find, I can stream it instantly. Who has time to shop for groceries? Just pull in, pick it up. Why aren't they putting it in the back of my car? Come on. You'll make me miss a song. You know, let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. We've got to have it. You know, all at once. Now, in our generation, the microwave seems slow. It's like, why isn't this going to cook? Five minutes. Come on. I want lava hot stuff in my mouth right now. It's like, no, it's, everything's just fast. Now, 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 now. Our culture, we don't have time for dating and marriage. Jump right to sex. You know, they go right. That's, that's the culture. You know, it's like, why, why, why go through all everything else? Just go for it. So it's hard to learn patience today. Can you imagine 2023 people not knowing the gender of your baby until the day it was born? <laughs> was this the dark ages? <laughs> it's like not knowing what, what gender baby you have. How would you do the nursery? What clothes would you buy? What theme are you going to have if you don't know until the day it's born? I am famous for a quote I made on the birth of our firstborn. And so we had no idea, boy or a girl. So we planned for both. Anybody else remember the dark ages? When you didn't know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, at best, you know, people be like, well, you can uh, do something with works, bath stuff, and if it turns great, all these different, we had these different weird things you try to do to determine the gender, you know, that, that, that you could do. We didn't, you know, like we played with it, but uh, we had no idea. We were just praying for a healthy baby. We decided on two names. And so when I went to the waiting room to tell my family who were in the waiting room, I know, shocking, we didn't live stream it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do it instantly. They, were, they had to wait. They're down the hall. So Elaine and I found out first. And I went down there and I told them, my famous line was, it's a Megan. I didn't say it's a boy, it's a girl. <laughs> it's a Megan. Uh, we had Megan. Uh, that was her gender reveal, the day of her birth. It's crazy town. It was a weird time. Um, she still had Batman pajamas. And so those fit either way. But <laughs> she was ready for it. But uh, Galatians 5 here, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And you're like, I didn't see patience there in your King James, Brian. Uh, it's, it's the word long-suffering. Kind of defines it for you. That's what patience is, long-suffering. You know, I, I want it now, but I can't have it now. So I have to suffer long in waiting for it. Because I want something, I'm waiting for it, I'm wanting it, I'm desiring. And I can't be satisfied instantly, I don't have it right now. I have to have patience to wait for it, long suffering. The reward's in the later. If you want it now, it'll, it'll come later. Delayed gratification is another way we say it in Christianity. We don't get everything right now, it's delayed. We're not looking for instant results. We're not looking for things here and now. We exercise faith. Because <clears throat> sometimes we wish it was, right? I wish evil would be exposed. I wish evil would be routed out. I wish corruption and wickedness and politics and, and, and all the different things and the higher offices that are going on, you know, from the local offices to all the way up, the corruption, I wish it would all be routed out and exposed and we'd call them liar, crooks and thieves and we would hold them accountable for it. Justice would be served and it would happen. How many of you would cheer with me? It's like, come on, let's just have this thing come out. It's, it's wrong for, seems like they don't have any law that holds them. But sadly and normally, that doesn't seem like it ever comes. If anything, it seems they get rewarded for their corruption and their badness and their wickedness of things that are going on. But as a Christian, 
I'm not defeated in that. I'm not set back in that. I know they're not getting by with it. They might be seem like they're getting by with it now. It might seem like now there's no justice and nothing has happened to them. But I know as a Christian that God sees, God knows, God will hold them accountable. Justice will be served and will be in front of all of us and we'll be like, yep, well done, Lord. Well done, that's right. When we think of all these mass shootings, you know, they usually end with the shooter escaping by suicide or something, right? Escaping justice, they might say. No, they don't. God has them. They're there. And it'll be swift and just judgments when he has them. God will bring about justice. Evil will be exposed. Wrongs will be made right, but delayed. Not always here and now. Sometimes. I pray that it would, but not always. And so we're to have patience. To take a breath and be like, oh, the injustice of this world. God's in charge. Man, that's a rest. That's a place to run to to say, so I don't go crazy in this mad world where it seems like evil's rewarded and good is punished. Give me patience. It'll be in God's court. He understands. See, I pray it happens. Sometimes God does that justice be served, but we have to wait. Look at me at Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 24. Romans 8, 24. He's talking about salvation in this. He says, For if we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what does he have hope for? Basically, he goes, if, if, We're not hoping for something if you have it. You're not hoping for something if you see it, it's right here and there. But verse 25, he says, But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. He says, you, you don't see it all yet. And so you have patience and you wait for it. And God's like, this is the way I have it. This is the way I've set it up. And the context is salvation. <clears throat> and what he's saying here is like, the salvation is in parts. I am saved. When I repented of my sins and trusted Christ as Savior, he saved me, fully and completely. But has he done saving me yet? No. Because I am also being saved. It's the justification. He is now saving me, even now, from myself, from who I am, from what I am doing. And one day I will be saved in the glorification. He will take, and, and the weak part of this equation is me, and so he's going to take me and my flesh, and he's going to glorify it. He's going to give me a body that cannot sin, does not desire to sin, and won't sin. Then I'll truly be saved. I'll be done. I'll be completed in this salvation. It's a three-phase thing. I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. And so one day I will literally be standing on the streets of heaven, having salvation, doing my glorified body, looking back, and I can truly say, I am saved. And thank you, Lord. And but then I no longer have to hope for it or yearn for him to finish the work that he's begun in me because it'll be completed. And so then I will have it. And he's saying, we don't have that yet. You don't have your glorified body yet. So you, know, you have to have patience. And if God has begun a good work in you, he is able to complete it. And so we have faith. And we have patience. God's not done working with me yet. It's a bumper sticker, right? You know, have patience. God's not done working with me. It's a t-shirt uh, that we sell in Christianity. And so, uh, he's not done working with me yet. You know, I'm still a work in process, pr progress. And so, and great works take time. And so, apparently I'm a great work. 
<laughs> He's taking a lot of time and patience with me. So we're, but we're to have patience as we wait for it. Look at Philippians 1, verse 6. Philippians 1. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete it. We're to have faith in that. We're to have patience that God will finish what he has started. <clears throat> has he done it yet? No. Will he finish it? Yes. So we have patience or we have trust or we have faith in the Lord. Patience and faith and trust, the fruit of the Spirit, all kind of work together. God says he will do it. Be confident, verse 6 again, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're to be confident that God keeps his promises. Why does he tell us all the Old Testament story? God keeps his promises. Why does God tell us prophecies and then fulfill them sometimes thousands of years later? Because God keeps his promises. We're to be patient. We're to be like all the other saints. And we're to wait on the Lord. We're to watch him in faith and in trust that he will do the things that he said he will do. We're not to be impatient. We're to have patience as we wait for him. It's not instant. We live in the wait. That's us as Christians. We wait in the trust. I trust you, Lord, that you'll finish. We wait in faith. God, I know that you said you will do this and you will. And we exhibit that faith in the waiting and trusting. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, in verse 12. Philippians 2, 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is of God, which worketh in you both, to will, uh, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. He tells us here to trust them in the waiting. To not be murmuring and complaining, but to trust him. They're like, oh Lord, why don't you come quickly? He's like, I'll come in my time. You wait. We're to hold. I think of some of the World War movies I've watched, you know, where the lions and the enemies are attacking and they're wanting to fight them and they're wanting to go after them. And the, and the commander's like, hold, hold, resist your will, bend to my will. Hold, this is for good. Let me, we'll have the strength. God tells us that. You hold, you wait, you exhibit that. You be the example. You be a light in a dark world. You teach them patience. You show them that I am yours and you are mine by being patient and by, being, by waiting. A martyr is someone who dies for Jesus Christ, who gives their life for him. Think of Stephen. Stephen, considered the first Christian martyr. Stoned to death. Most of us aren't called to martyrdom, or at least not yet. We're called to live for him. Every day. So every day we die to ourselves to live for him. That, that might be harder than to just lay down your life for him. But that's what he's called most Christians to do. He says, I don't need you just to die for me once. 
need you to die a little bit every day. You surrender control of yourself to me, and you have patience, and you wait, and you do things my way. Verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. You do it without complaining. You do it because I've asked you to. You wait. You don't say, oh, God's a cosmic killjoy. We don't get to have any fun in Christianity. Fun's later sometimes. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes we do suffer through it now. But God isn't the cosmic killjoy. <laughs> he has our best interest at heart. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll start with verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 1.9. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 says, For themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how, and this is here, he's, he's picturing salvation for us here. Here's what salvation is. How you turned to God from idols. They repented the way they were going, so they turned. They repented to God from idols. They quit going towards idols. To serve the living and true God. This is Christianity, and here's a big part of Christianity, verse 10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's us. We're in the waiting. If you've repented and trusted Christ as Savior, we now wait. We wait for his son from heaven. That's the next thing in our prophetic timetable. We are waiting. We're waiting for him to show up. We're waiting for his return. We're much like the Old Testament saints waiting for Christ to come as a baby. Waiting for him to be born. Now we're waiting for him to return and take us home. Last week, we put ourselves in that category of most all people on earth were in that spot. They spent their time waiting for Messiah. Except for those during the four Gospels, <clears throat> when he was there, everybody else has been waiting. Waiting for him to come the first time or waiting for him to arrive the second time. That's where we are. Uh, look at the Italian book of the Bible, Malachi, or also called Malachi. It's the last book. <laughs> I heard a guy say that once and I have to resist. I'll say it every time, but I usually don't resist because I thought it was funny. <laughs> so Malachi, uh, chapter 3. the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet who spoke in the Old Testament uh, outside of John the Baptist. Malachi 3 verse 1 is where we're going to start. He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come in his temple, even the messengers of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He gives a prophecy. Behold, I'm going to send a messenger that's going to prepare the way first. He tells us this here. It's in chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4. The very last two verses where he gives us more details about this messenger who's going to come first before his Savior comes, before the Messiah. So Malachi 4, verse 5. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 says, Behold... Listen, attention, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And he says, I'm going to come, I'm going to send Elijah first as a forerunner, and he's going to try to waken hearts up, and you have compassion back in the world. He's going to try to make people care one for another. That's the last words of the Old Testament, I will send a forerunner. And you know what happened next? Nothing. 
400 years. Talk about having to be patient. 400 years of waiting. They waited 400 years. God was silent. There was no new word from him. There was no prophet that comes on the scene. Uh, there was no promises. There's no more details about who Messiah is or this forerunner. Everything that they were going to get, they got. You know, Bethlehem, a child, virgin birth, you know, and a few other things that were there. Now we know that there's a forerunner. Um, they, uh, there's no more warnings. There's no more anything. So 400 years, status quo. They just go. Then, 400 years later, there is a stir in Jerusalem. Around the hub of Jerusalem is the temple. That's where the, the gathered around is the center. A temple priest is making claims that while he was serving in that capacity, he had an encounter with an angel. This has been the conspiracy theory of the day, right? What's going on? Do you believe it? I saw, I had an encounter with an angel while I was serving in the temple. Well, can we check into this guy? And I check into him. Yep, he was on the course that day. Matter of fact, his job was to burn incense, which is the close as you could get to the Holy of Holies. You're going to talk about a portal that was opened up to God. You know, the Holy of Holies, where God's Ark of the Covenant should be, and where the Shekinah glory is going up. The, 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 the altar of incense where he used to burn it would be right in front of it. If behind me was the Ark, it had been right here. So then there was a veil in between. So he is lighting the incense right there, as close as you could possibly get. And the only ones could do that was a priest. The only one could get behind there was a high priest. This this man was not that. He was just a priest. But it came his course to be able to go up and do that. And while he is there offering the prayers of the people on behalf of them, he slips in a prayer for himself. And wouldn't you, if you were that close to God's presence, wouldn't you say a prayer for yourself, especially if you're old and you didn't have any kids? He's like, Lord, let us have a baby. And then all of a sudden there's someone standing off to the right. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and it's an angel. And he's like, your prayer's been heard. Your wife, even in your old age, is going to have a baby. I'm going to tell you his name. You're going to call him John. He's going to be the answer to that prayer in Malachi. He's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be like Elijah. He'll be the one who goes out and cries in the wilderness. and enters. He's going to use a miracle to fulfill that patience. And he's going to reward you with the son. And that son's going to be the forerunner to Messiah. Tell me, Israel's not on fire. Things are moving. Things are moving. 30 years later, there's a crazy guy in the wilderness <laughs> dressing like a prophet and doing things. And what's he say? What's his message? Matter of fact, one day, his cousin walks in. Right? Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, whose shoe latched, I'm not even worthy to unlatch. Yeah, patience. Patience rewarded. Patience, they had, they had to wait for. The waiting was satisfied. Patience paid off. Talk about seeming slow, 400 years slow. Since the Garden of Eden slow, waiting for Messiah. Uh, look at Galatians 4. Galatians 4. And verse 4. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them which were under the law, that we might be re received the adoption of sons. The fullness of time. This is, one I, this is a verse I like to think about often. The God's like, I'm patient. There's a perfect day. And I waited to that perfect day. 
when time was full. He's like, now. Now, he had a lot of things counting down towards it. Daniel 9 had a prophecy that was counting down towards it, and then uh, he has to have the baby born at the right time to grow up, to be at the right place, to be able to enter into Jerusalem at the right day. You know, at, at all those things from the Daniel 9 prophecy that tells all this. He does all these other things, though, while he's in the waiting. He has Rome, this, this upstart, crazy country come up and they become this monster that devours the world builds a road system that would spread the gospel faster than it could have been spread if it wouldn't been in place he puts a trade language in place that most everybody knew where they could take the good news of the gospel and spread it over the world quickly especially for the day and age when it's not phones and satellite and everything that they could do it by foot quickly on this road system with a language system in place to do that he had certain leaders he had to put in place and position with certain desires he had have there to be like, you know what? I'm arrogant. I need a census. How else are you going to move a poor man from Nazareth to get him to go all the way down to, Bur to, to uh, Bethlehem to give birth to a baby because he has to be there, but you don't live there. So God has a census and a decree to go forth and all these things that come into place and have the stars line up to have the star be there and all these different things come about to put right there to have the right town, the right time, the right place, the right mom, the right delivery in the right place. God was patient and he said, finally, time is full now executes these things where Jesus Christ comes on the scene and then fulfills it all perfectly so that we can stand here today with confidence and say Jesus is the Christ making everything line up and do you think he's done do you think he just did it that one time no look at Acts 17 Acts 17 that's one of my favorite passages as well you're like you got a lot of favorite passages I do it's a big book Acts 17. I love the omniscience of God that we can see in this. I love the care of God that we can see in this. I love the long-suffering of God that I see in this. In Acts 17, verse 26, Paul's answering to these who are searching, and they have all these other gods, and he's like telling them about the unknown God. Let me tell you about the Creator God, the one that you can kind of cover your bases with. Here's who he is. He says, And he has made of one blood all nations for the men to dwell on the face of the earth. And here's where he gets intimate and he hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from any one of us think of the logistics you know, just think of the last time you moved what did you say when you got done I never want to do that again and God's like I'm going to move heaven and earth to put every person who's ever born at the perfect place where they are most likely come to know Christ as Savior I'm going to put them in the right country at the right time, in the right place, with the right parents. They'll know how far they're going to travel, the things that they're going to see, what's going to be on television, what music, what books, what's going to be out there, what songs you're playing, what, what all these, I'm going to use all this, and I'm going to inform them in that, where they'll most likely come to me. Talk about the fullness of time for your life. God puts you when you are, where you are, where you would most likely find him as Savior. God did that. He did that for the birth of Christ. He's done that for you so he can give you the second birth if you would repent and trust in him. God has moved every person and every place and everything to where they would most likely come to a saving knowledge of him. I find that fantastic. I find that incredible. I find that thought worthy. That God would do that for us. That God has done that for you. The things that you would hear, the knowledge that you would have, that he would use all that. The best chance of salvation. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. I knew Levi was working the words today, so I thought, I'm going to give him a test. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Because a lot of times we're like, why do we have to wait so long? 
Why do we have to learn patience so often in, in so many areas? 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, patient, towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad God is patient. I'm glad God didn't settle all this 2,000 years ago. I'm glad that he waited and he's like, wait, 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 I need to wait till 1978. There's a boy in Indianapolis who's going to get saved. I need to make sure he gets in. That, that was me. 1978. I'm, I'm glad he waited. Till then. I'm glad he waited for my wife to be born again so I could have a saved wife. As we had kids, it's a Megan. It's a Levi. It's a Joel. I'm glad he waited until they were old enough where they made professions of faith and they came to the saving knowledge of him. Now I'm praying, Lord, come quickly. But God, I got five grandkids. Come quickly before they get to the age of accountability or Lord, help them to understand salvation as soon as it's humanly possible so that we're not in this limbo of waiting and anxiety. I want them to be born again. But I'm glad that God is long-suffering. And when the more people I love and the more people in my family, the more people I'm concerned about, the more I worry about them, the more I understand God's long-suffering. Come quickly, but wait just a minute. Could you give them one more day, one more chance, let them hear one more message, one more argument, one more YouTube, one more whatever it is that finally tips the scale and has them come to realize that they are sinners and that they repent of those sins and they would trust in Jesus Christ to save them? Please, Lord. And God suffers in this long-suffering patience. He does. Waiting is hard. Waiting for our things is hard. The things we go through is hard. Why is there wicked and evil in the world today? Because God doesn't judge all of us all at once because he's long-suffering and he's able to use that and to sow that into the story to bring us to him. If it's good, it's worth waiting for, Right? phrase that was worth it have you ever uttered that before when you had to wait for something and you finally get it, you're like oh that was worth it that was so worth it I felt hard for Elaine back in the day we were just talking about it the other day I'd already had this in my message and she didn't know it I was like I don't know if it was love at first sight but it sure felt like it it was like Ooh. it was bad and and, and we met, and uh, we were going down to uh, a winter retreat over Christmas time. Where the uh, it was at Tennessee Temple University, and they had a series of contests and messages and preaching. And God had the perfect preacher there that day. He had an ex-pro football player that stomped on me and Brett's toes. And uh, do you remember laying on the floor? And we were talking like, I don't like that guy. You know, he's, he's, he's hitting too close to home. You know, but uh, um, that week, and fell in love, and uh, she wrote her phone number on my hand. It's still there. No. <laughs> no, 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 I kept as long as I could. And I've called her every day since then. Somewhere within that first year we were trying to debate on it. I, pretty crazy fast, I got a promise ring, and I went to her parents. And I said, I, I, I want to let you know I'm serious. I, I, I will wait for her. I, I want to marry her, but I'm not giving her an engagement. I just want to give a promise ring. And they said, okay. They gave her a promise ring. Pretty early in dating. When I say dating, I dated her family. She dated my family. We did things as a, we could see each other at church. And then um, uh, if she went with my family to things, or I went with her family, or I worked on the farm. And that, you know, the, we, we did it that way. And so she was 13 when we met. I was 47. No, I was, I was, I was a little older. <laughs> but, uh, no, but she was, she was 13. Uh, I was 17. I was four years older. I thought she was lying when she told me she was 13. But anyway, but uh, I, get, we, we did that. I dated her family. I got early, some of my 
her dad has always been a Sunday school teacher and a deacon, and we sat around the dinner table, and I, I think I talked with him as much as her some of those first times, just going over things and debating and talking about things and him laying down some groundworks there for me. And, um, we wanted to get married. We talked about it a lot. We dreamed about it. What kind of house? How many kids? How are we going to raise them? What are the things we're going to do? All these things. That's, that's why I like the Song of Solomon so much. It's like the early part, they're talking about the house and how it's going to be a house made of fur and we're going to have green and all this stuff. This is the decisions we had. And I'm like, I will never have a green, green wall in my house. I don't like it. First house, first thing we did, paint a wall green. She just showed me who's boss. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we waited five years. That's as long as it took me to get through high school. No, 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 we went five years. That's longer than it took me to get through high school. And that's like it was going to take forever. You, know, you go in your freshman year, you're like, you know, senior seems so old. You know, it's like five years. I had to wait for her to turn 18. I had to wait for me to get old enough to have a job, buy a house. You know, I needed a place to live. I needed to provide a life and show her family I could provide her a life. And so I made that my goal, you know, to be able to do that. It felt like forever. It felt like forever. We've been married 36 years now, and we dated for five, so we've been together 41 years. And that five years seems like nothing when we look back. We were having trouble, you remember, when I gave the promise ring? We debated, it's like, we've had kids and grandkids since then. It seems like that, you know, but it seems so long waiting. But now that we're in it, I can say, the wait was worth it. His way was worth it. Patience was worth it. Something worth having is worth waiting for. And the good things, the way God has and the way God says, is worth waiting for. So we're in the 500-year mark of the millennial reign of Christ. We've got 500 more years to go as we're serving our king on a paradise earth with him in our glorified body. And we look back and we gather together once in a while at our annual Cornerstone Church, church, you know, church meeting. And uh, we're, we're all gathered together and I'll be like, you remember our old life? You remember the first time you came to Christ? I don't know, really. Unless God gives me perfect memory, we're not going to remember that. I don't know people are talking about it. I'll be like, it seemed like it was so long. It seemed like it was going to be so far away when those things that we talked about, as, as far as like a rapture and uh, the millennial reign or heaven and eternity with God on paradise, you know, all, all that seems so far off. We're going to be the 500-year mark where we're all going to go, it was worth it. Everything we suffered, everything we denied, every penny we give, any missionary we prayed for, we supported for, people we cried over and, and prayed about, and service that we put in, and the sweat, and the Lord's locker, and are you, and the things done, all the, all the different ministries that we're a part of with Fertile Ground Ranch, and anything else, and whatever else the Lord has, and all, the, all that, the Sunday school lessons, and the teachings, we're going to be like, so worth it, so worth it, so worth it, it's worth waiting for. Because five years seemed like a long time. But I did get a job. I did buy a house. We did get engaged. And then August 15th, 1987, it finally arrived. And it was hot as blazes. And Brett wrote stuff on the bottom of my shoes. <clears throat> we became husband and wife, united forever. And it all seemed so fast. It all seemed so fast. Second Peter continues in verse 9, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's going to be quick. Seems like it's a thousand years from now. Who knows? Are they ever going to get here? 
the Left Behind series. I love the Left Behind series. I go through it pretty regularly. Uh, the only one that would go through it more than me, I think, is Gerald. I think Gerald has done, he loves that book more than I do. The whole series, it's just an interesting book. I like going through it. I like thinking about it uh, as we go through. That book was pretty popular. And then when the rapture didn't happen within the next 10 years, there's a lot of people who left faith because they're like, it didn't happen. That was just an act of fiction. It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> we don't know the day or the hour. This is just a fictional story kind of wrapped up on what it might be like. Uh, and, and you're going to give up your faith? I'm like, no, my faith has not wavered in the Indian. I've been waiting since 1978. It's closer than it's ever been. It's going to be like a thief in the night, and I'm going to be like, oh, there's so much more to do. Thief in the night. In which the heavens and earth shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. And the earth also, and the works thereof, therein shall be burned up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and the hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering or the patience of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to wisdom, has given unto you and written unto you. All things that seem so important and so time-consuming now it's going to be all burned up, except for people, right? If we win those people. What really matters is people, souls, our relationship with one another, our relationship with him. The relationships that we have now continue on through eternity. See, this is a priority passage. It's like, yeah, but i got to go to work and i got to do the thing. Yeah, you do. You know, we don't want to be slothful. We want to be the ones. We want to be a good servant in that way. But remember to keep things in the right priority. We're to do all those things. We're to have all those things. But, we're, but don't forget the important things. People. Reaching the lost. Reaching loved ones. Reaching those who aren't saved. Don't shrink from that. Don't put it off. We need to prioritize. Prioritize. Christians, we are to keep our eyes on Christ. On heaven and eternity while working in the here and now. We're to have patience. We're waiting for his second advent. His arrival. And we're using this Advent to kind of pace against it. Last week we had three weeks. It's three more weeks till Christmas. This week, we're halfway there. This is the second Sunday already. Two more weeks left. It's going to be here before we know it. Seems like a long way off. But we're still waiting. We're still watching. And we're to use that as an example for us, that we are waiting, that we are watching, that we are to be winning souls, we're to be encouraging saints, we're to be using patience until he comes. Patiently waiting for Christmas morning, patiently waiting for the time when you open presents, or you get to give presents, whichever it is you're most excited about. Christmas is two weeks away. It'll be here before we know it. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for a date that we don't know the end to? What if he comes tomorrow? What if it comes today? We need to be rescuing sinners. First time he came as a baby, he fulfilled it. That's why we want to celebrate the two together. They waited a long time, and it was finally fulfilled. There was just 400 years between the last gap, let alone go back to Adam. But he fulfilled it. Is he going to fulfill the rest of this? Is he going to come again as he promised? Yes, he is. So we're going to be patient. Do you have patience? 
Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you in holy suspense? That's how he likes to keep us, right? Could be. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe soon. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Are we actively patient? We're supposed to be. Or maybe you're like, well, I'm patient. It's not even on my radar. It needs to be on your radar, is what the Bible says. There's a reward for those who diligently seek him and await his return. That's, that's a crown that you can earn. To me, it's a give me. He's like, I want to make sure everybody has something. At least be excited about me coming back. I could be excited for Christmas, and that's just a present. You know, just in, when we look back and reflect. What about him when he comes? He says, my rewards are with me. Talk about a Christmas. He wants to reward you for your service unto him. So if it's not on your radar and you're not waiting for him and you're not actively patient, you know, because you're like, mm, I'm really on my radar, get actively patient. If it's because you're not born again, get born again. Repent of your sins and trust in him. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new desire. He'll change your priorities. He'll make you a new person. He adopts you into his family. And he says, welcome Welcome. And you're like, but you don't know who I am. You know all the things I've done. He does. He is able to save and to redeem you. Repent and trust in him to 